Hey bitches. I have been programmed to tell you about Gabriel's upcoming shows. Seems like a waste of my talents but here you go. April 1st and 2nd. Tucson. April 7-10. to 10, Spokane. On Saturday the 9th in Spokane. Gabriel will be doing an all-ages show at 4.30pm. Yes the same potty mouth pastor do here on this podcast will be trying to be family friendly. Good luck, dip, shit. April 14-16 to 16, Boise, Idaho. April 20th Ballard. April 21st Lacey. April 22nd in Umpla. April 23rd Longview. For all of Gabriel's show dates and ticket links go to gabrielrutledge.com. Or don't. And now it's time for the, the Drive Home with Gabriel Rutledge. Play the royalty-free hip-hop music. Now here's your host, Gabriel. All right, second podcast ever, and I already have a guest. Wow. Uh, was, I, was your podcast uh, convention that I don't say my name until you announce me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, there'll be, once editing kicks <laughs> in, there's a whole music buildup. Uh, my pal, host of Nobody Likes Casey McLean podcast, Casey McLean. That would be weird if it was a different name. Uh, <laughs> on the drive home, we did. At what point after you started comedy, Casey, were you like, someday I will perform to raise money for the class of 2022 Safe and Sober Party in Elmo, Washington? You know, it's really it's something you dream about <laughs> at the beginning, but you just don't think you'll make it a reality. <laughs> oh my god! Well, you know, uh, last week I was kind of talking about how there's a lot of shows I don't think that like general comedy fans are aware of. People who watch a lot of Netflix or go to theater shows or comedy club shows, and this is an, a prime example of that because. But also, there's something else beautiful about these shows, is it's like, there's no, it's just the joy of doing comedy. Mm -hmm. There's no like, uh, uh, the booker's in the room, I better be funny so I can get booked again. There's, There's no, there's no like, oh God. I don't know if I'm even famous enough to be headlining here because Steve-O's <laughs> here next week or those guys. It's just, we did comedy uh, and it was just fucking fun. That's all. Yeah. And it's also got paid pretty well. Yep. Absolutely. Ultimately, at the, especially after merch, there were these good folks of Elmo, Washington showed up when it came to merch. Yeah. I think, I think it's one of those places where you're, yeah, it's like an exhibition game kind of. Yeah, that's interesting. That's a good call. That's a good call. Because I've also, uh, you know, I'm a fan of baseball analogies as well. But, uh, like... Not baseball, just the analogies. Yeah, only only, only, only analogies. I just like to say inside baseball. I know nothing about the game. Uh, Sometimes, this was not this, that... Sometimes a bad show... I feel like, uh, you know, a tough bar show, whatever, they're playing pool, the t- TVs are on. It's like you're you're sort of in the on-deck circle swinging two bats. Mm-hmm. And then when you go to a comedy club, you you have the one bat, and you're like, oh, God, this is light. This is yeah. easy. This is, you know, I'm so strong. Uh, I, I, do, I do feel like that, uh, kind of. But this was... I made an analogy about this that I thought of baseball, and I realized that most people don't equate this with baseball. I made this literally last week on Nobody Likes Casey McLean, 
uh, doing comedy in a comedy club is like playing in a humidor. It's like everything's controlled. Yes. The, the climate's controlled. If the crowd gets too rowdy, there's someone to stop that. If they're on their phones, there's someone to stop that. And this is like you're playing stickball in the middle of the street. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also, I mean, there's something satisfying about doing a show where you're like, that could have gone horrible. <laughs> and it didn't because a big, it's in on a fairgrounds, it's indoors, but it was, you know, this big giant boomy room. We had a tiny speaker. Oh, our stage was, what did they call it? A cow trailer? A uh, hay, hay trailer. A hay trailer. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, for feeding cows or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And it was just, uh, it just could have gone off the rails at any time, especially with the sound problem, but it's like, yeah, it was fun. Uh, one more round of applause for Casey. Round of applause for the event. Uh, I'm going to start off by saying something uh, I don't think I've ever said in 21 years of comedy. Uh, they asked me to tell you that the it is last call for the 50-50 raffle. What the fuck happened to my career? Uh, <laughs> using a karaoke microphone. I'm standing on a cattle trailer. Are you shitting me? The, the fun part about standing on a cattle trailer is there are cattle in the building, so I do smell shit. So <laughs> it feels authentic, you know what I mean? This isn't a set design. This is this is on the Elma postcard right here. I think that this is the kind of show that I, from like, I mean, I'm obviously substantially newer to comedy than you are, and I, I think we've talked about this from those like backyard shows that we did. This is the show that like kind of show like four years ago. I don't think I actually would have had a good show on this show. Sure, because there was like people talking there's at one point halfway during my set the lights went out like on purpose someone just shut the lights off i know you were like what 20 minutes in yeah. and all of a sudden just the room is black like oh okay now's the time right and it also like it's in the middle of a bit it's like approaching to the end of a bit and i'm like <laughs> i'm actually on stage like what i don't f I have no fucking idea what bit i was even doing at this point like i gotta remember that because i knew it was a merch bit but i'm like where was i at in the you know, there's like a lot to process and also try to keep them laughing. I think I would have just crumbled yeah. at many points a couple years ago. And it's like a, uh, a show that you feel like, Oh, like I have made a lot of progress. This is. Yeah. And then when you started, there was still people in line for food and you know, it's, yes, it was, it was precarious, you know, or definitely, yeah. definitely, uh, could have gone, uh, off the rails, but it is, um, I, I guess probably no matter your fame level, I think if someone was, like, I even heard Seinfeld, no, it wasn't Seinfeld, it was uh, Brian Regan, someone asked him, like, do you have bad shows? And, uh, he said yes, but it was private shows. 
Oh, interesting. That was his bad show. It was like it'd be, it'd be some event for. I'm, I mean, what do you think he's making in a private show, by the way? Just two billion dollars. I mean, there's, there's no way he would do it. You know, if he's selling out theaters around the world, yeah. For him to stop doing that to perform for your company, I mean, it's fifty grand or something. You gotta be like a Saudi prince or something like that. There's <laughs> yes. no way. There's no way that's not blood money that Brian Regan. I'm breaking the news. But he said, yeah, sometimes they don't know who he is. It's just like the shit we have to do. Just like, you know, you go on after the award ceremony or, you know, and uh, so I guess it never really goes away. Sure. But it is one of those things where, like, uh, you know, my dream, of course, is to have, I look at my calendar and it's just quality club after quality club. <laughs> uh, but if that was true, I really would be like, I wish I could do an Alma fundraiser now and again. Dude, They're fun as fuck. Like, you know, uh, not just this particular one, but just in general. Some of the, like, uh, more memorable comedy experiences were so far off the beaten path or so far off what you thought it was going to be like, you know? Yeah, well, and I think uh, another thing that helps in a place like this is... Uh, there's a stop sign there. I was making sure. Thank you. I you remember when we were driving through Portland and we went through the red light? Casey, how dare you remember that? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I've, I've reflected on that because we've driven thousands of miles together now. And that was the one moment in thousands of miles that I was like, oh, fuck. I was so... By the way, before I even talk about this, I'm just here in Kia Rio Studios. <laughs> My check engine light just came on. I'm okay. like, oh, all right. It does that. Don't even worry about it. Good. Uh, oh, yes. Our first trip ever. We were going to Southern Oregon somewhere. Grants Pass, I think. I think we were actually on our way to Pendleton. At the oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. Because of terrible routing. And I, I thought going from Pendleton to Grants Pass was a good idea. And it was really like a day and a half. Yeah. It meant that we were together for three days, which included <laughs> three, like eight hour drives, basically. The amazing race with jokes. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so we're like a few hours into our driving relationship. And then uh, I think we had stopped to get gas or buy something. And I just I just ran a red light. I just went, and that squeal of brakes, it felt like the guy missed by inches. It might have been feet, but it was close. Yeah. And, like, you know, like, just that adrenaline pounding, and I was so embarrassed. I'm just like, I'm because you were the side he would have hit. Yeah, true. I was so embarrassed. I'm like, how, how, there's not a Hallmark card that says, sorry, I almost killed you. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's also, like, it would be very funny, because it, was, it wasn't the first road weekend I'd ever done. But it was the first one like that, where, like, we were driving a million hours. I had gone to, like, Richland, Washington and back. That's – and not uh, in the same day. We're approaching a uh, situation here. Oh, Suspect yeah, yeah. in their car. Um, I'm sure if it's a DUI, it's from the show we were at. Yeah. <laughs> we – on the way out, we saw people, like – it was, like, Coors Light in purses. Yeah. I go – I go, I saw that, and the lady started to cover it, and then she goes – you know what, actually, it just pulls out vodka shooters. And she's like, do you want a vodka soda? And I was like, no, I'm good. I forgot to tell you on the way in. Again, lovely people. Please have me back. Uh, I love them, too. On the way in, I walked past the food line, and I literally heard this conversation. 
I'm so glad you're out of jail. <laughs> it's so good to see you again. Well, I, I talked about it in the in my set a little bit, but a lady came up to me, remember, and she goes, uh, "Are you running this event? Because you look very official." And I, and I was like, "I'm in a fucking flannel and a baseball hat, and like, yeah, and like tennis shoes. Like, I don't look nowhere but Elma Washington." Do I look? No, they're like, this guy's an administration. Yeah. <laughs> look how clean his flannel is. <laughs> so, oh, what I'm saying, though, yeah. is that the, the uh, before we talked about you almost killing me on my first ever road trip, my dear oh, God, wife at let home. let it go. God, uh, <laughs> uh, you go to a place like this where this is the only comedy show they have all year, and there's two different outcomes, and I feel like it's a 50-50, is either... They never see comedy, so they don't know how to act during comedy. Yeah. And so they're horrible. Or, like today, it's like, this is the only comedy they're going to see this year. So everything you do that's good is going to seem godlike on stage. Yeah. And another aspect of it is, because Alma is like uh, 35 minutes from my house uh, in Olympia. And, in fact... I talked to someone who used to be my neighbor, which is a weird way to start your night. Yeah. But uh, it's like when you think about having fans, you're sort of like, whatever, closest club to us. You live in Tacoma. That's the closest club to me. Like, oh, when I go back to Tacoma Comedy Club, I would love there to be a bunch of people who'd seen me before. And there, you know, a bunch of Rutledge heads. I don't know what. I have no name for my fans. Rutheads. I think Rutheads. Rutheads. Okay. <laughs> uh, but it's like I've done this fundraiser I actually teased them because I'm like how much money are we trying to raise yeah. by the way I, I've done this fundraiser two other times I believe and we took a couple years off for a uh, pandemic and now I'm back for the class of 2022 graduation yeah so it's been Three shows and five years, and I do have a question. How much goddamn money do you need? Are we giving them a party, or are they buying land? Like, what is happening at this party? Um, I've done this fundraiser. This is the third time I did it, and we took two years off for COVID. Uh, but, like, there was four people there wearing my shirt. Yeah. There's like people who were like, we can't wait to see you. And like, you don't think in your head, like, uh, I'm going to, in my career, I'm going to make an impact on the community of Elma. Right. And those people are going to know who Gabriel Relage is. But like, you kind of have to let your expectations of whatever down and go, you know what? This counts. This counts. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not the way that. I thought it would be. I thought it would be from TikTok. But, you know, whatever. It counts. Yeah, I, th I think that's... Well, you, we, you've talked about this a lot, too, which is the you're like, the money comes from a lot of places, right? So yeah. it's, it's like, uh, you know, maybe the highest paid show I've... This, might, this is going to be close to the most money I've ever made on a single show. Oh, that's great. But it's all said and done. Maybe, maybe not like merch sales at Tacoma Comedy Club, if you take, but if you take out the, like, inflated merch sales at their clubs... It's, it might be the most money I've ever made on a single show, or close to it. And I think, like, I didn't expect that going in by, yeah. by any means. Uh, also, I want to point out, I'm very self-conscious about the fact that I said we were 
godlike on stage, but I think that's the point of this podcast is to catch like the <laughs> post show yeah. energy. That's right. You're we're high right now. Yeah. We're high because that lady gave me the Coors Light. <laughs> we're <laughs> I've been smoking Coors Light. That's the that's the beauty of the of the drive home is like it could be low. Those are common, by the way, listeners. <laughs> you know what I mean? That, that feeling of what the fuck am I even doing? Uh, and instead, it's like I'm I I have, you know, I know they had a good time. I know I made a bunch of money, and I know that I also did some stuff I never done before. Right. On stage, that's how you know you're having fun, right? Where you're like, what was that thing I said? That was pretty good. Yeah. A very intoxicated woman came over to talk to me. For a second, I thought maybe she was going to hit on me. That was not the case. But it's not, I'm married. I'm very married. I don't know what that means. You're married is always very married. I'm married. But it's nice to feel like you could be in the game. I'm sensing some judgment from this room of high school sweethearts. You know what? I'm getting more of a vibe that, like, you did marry your high school sweetheart, but this is number two. That's more the vibe. There we go. There, yeah, I got it. I got it. I got it. That's fair. That's fair. You hit about 25, you're like, we were sophomores. We didn't know shit. What the hell? I got a D in biology and picked my life mate? What the hell was I thinking? You know, that kind of feeling. Um, yeah, that's the stuff that I, like, was very bad at. It's like being present, which I hear, yeah. I really got annoyed for, like, for, like, six years. Comics were talking about being present on stage a lot, and I got really annoyed about it. I do think that's what it is, but I feel, again, shitty. Maybe the high's wearing off, because I'm, I'm in, like, the come down <laughs> where I feel something. But I do feel like that's the thing where it's, like, I may, like... Being able to just react to the situation as it comes at you, like, sure, I have material, and I'm gonna do a whole bunch of it. But yeah. let's, in this moment where the lights go off and some guy like cat calls me, let's let's make the whole crowd laugh because this guy yeah. is a goofball, you know. Well, and that's why you you have that. Not everyone has that, but <laughs> but you have that. God, what was the? This might be embarrassing to recount, but what was the thing you said to those cops? Oh, thought... we, we were doing a backyard comedy show, and it was, like, for Tacoma police officers, Yeah, basically. I was doing a joke about taking a sperm count test and jerking off into a cup, and the guy goes, let me see your palms. And I go, listen, I know who's at this, I know who's at this show. I'm not surprised somebody's asking to see my hands, but <laughs> I didn't think it was going to be in this context. I think it, that might have been the thing. It, they, they fucking murdered. Oh, yeah. It, they just, like... You know, uh, whatever the version of murdering in front of 20 people outside is next to a hot tub. Yeah, fun, fun to murder in front of a bunch of cops. Get away with it. Jesus, am I a man? Uh, yeah, that was so funny. Uh, but yeah, just like moments like that where it's like, and that's why that's one of my indicators because I've been doing comedy since 1949. The year my parents were born. You and you and uh, Chaplin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I graduated the same year. I said to him, "Talkies are coming," and he didn't. <laughs> he didn't listen. Um, it's it's before people are funny, material wise. 
there you will see something happen in the crowd and you'll see them react and so and it and if it's good you're like eventually the material will also be funny right if they have that in them uh i'm thinking uh i'm thinking of another local comedian monica nevy like from the get-go something weird happens in the audience and she was just so like on top of it and so unflappable that it was like you know, and now she's been doing it a long time. She has material, also. You know, I'm not. Right. I'm not saying that's. I didn't mean it to be like that's all she has. But in fact, since I brought it up, she had one of the funniest crowd interaction things I've ever seen. Is a guy got kicked out of the Tacoma Comedy Club. Like security had to come over and drag him out. And she, and she goes, "They big scene, right? Everyone's watching." And she, she goes, uh, "I played." A lot of basketball, so I feel like when this happens, I should take a knee. And she <laughs> she took a knee on stage, and I was fucking howling. It was so fucking funny, you know. Why I'm still swearing too much. Um, but anyway, that's, high, that's, that's just that example of uh, of uh, like not everyone has that reactive skill, and I kind of feel bad. This is something I obviously would not say names for, but there are people who are brilliant comedians. If they get slightly off the track, it's over. Right. And that that seems like very challenging uh, a way to have to perform. Like, well, I hope everything goes perfectly. Well, it's not going to. Right. So, sometimes you're on a hay trailer. <laughs> I like your vest, by the way. It's no big. It's not a thing. It's not a thing. <laughs> Thanks, uh, thanks for coming in from the duck blind. Good God. By the way, what is the point of a camouflage vest only? Like, oh, the deer won't care about my arms. Look, it's a bush with arms. Nothing to fear here. Shit. It's a bush with arms drinking a Rainier beer. We have nothing to worry about. <laughs> I like that you're like, we're going out tonight. Where's my vest? No, the one that goes with the hat I always have on. Oh, it's like a shotgun formal event for you. <laughs> He's laughing, by the way, everyone. We're fine. We're fine. <laughs> Get a weird vibe in this room. You're like, I don't, I don't like where this is headed. He'll be crouched behind your car. You won't see him. <laughs> Did that bush with arms holding the beer just fart? I may be in some danger here. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of people wouldn't take this gig, uh, or wouldn't even be asked to do it, probably, um, because of that, because they're like... That's what I'm picking. When I when I pick, obviously, I don't always get to pick the opener, but when I am, I pick people... You know what I think? This is how I pick openers. 
even if it goes really bad, they're not going to fall apart. Oh, sure, yeah. That's how I that's how I look at it. Like, um, you're not going to start screaming at people or, <laughs> you know, something like that. But. Well, and I think, like, and this is probably, like, I mean, I've said this many times, and uh, it eventually will be less flattering, but uh, I think that it's like when I play... Or when I was growing up, it would be like, play sports against better people, you will get better. There's no way around it, right? And I do believe that about uh, going to shows like this, where it's like, this is a challenging situation. I also, uh, I really like working with you uh, because, this is very flat, we're going to kiss after this, I want you to be... But I've never left a show going like, oh, I was the best comedian that night. I've done that with many headliners. Many headliners who are more fiscally successful and, uh, <laughs> and uh, famous or whatever. But, like, I've never loved a show like, oh, that crowd was way more into me than into game. You know what I mean? Sure. Sure. Um, I, mean, I, mean, I, I mean, honestly, like, it's happened with a lot of headliners. It does happen, especially because it's um, sometimes people get drunker as the night goes on. Their attention span wanes. It, it can be. They've never been drunk enough to say it to me. <laughs> a safe word is a word you say during sex. You guys had sex in this room? Okay. It's a word you say during sex to let the other person know they have gone too far. What's yours? Ducks Unlimited? (laughs) Come on! Come on! That was good! What's your safe word? His is five. I'll take it from here. Uh, What the hell, dude? Mine's one. <laughs> Holy shit. You gotta... He said five fingers, by the way. <laughs> Definitely sounds like a number you had to settle on eventually. The next morning, you're like, we can all agree six was too many. I just, I, I had it. I think I actually had it happen a couple weeks ago. Not that people didn't enjoy me, but it just, the guy in front of me killed really hard, and the room was really tired, and it was like, even when I got introduced, I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> um, it, it happens. I'm not, by the way, I'm not just saying that to kiss your ass. I'm saying it's a challenge for me. Yeah. Because I'm, in my mind, I'm comparing what they did for me, what the crowd, the noise the crowd made for me, versus the noise they made for you. And I do think over the years I've gotten closer, but it's not close. Like, it's still, I, I think, like, sure. Yeah, and so that's, like, an important measuring stick for me. Well, it's interesting because <laughs> a lot of, you kind of have to be a dick to be good at comedy. You kind of have to be a competitive asshole 
And I say right. dick without gender. Uh, <laughs> that's my next podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but there is that thing where it's like, you kind of, even if you love the person you're working with, in your head you're like, hey, ideally, I do better than them. Ideally. Right. I mean, maybe not tonight, because again, it's not leading to anything else. But like at a comedy club or in front of something important, you're like, yeah, I'm. Uh, I think if you go, let's if you operate under the baseline is we both do well, yes. then I'd like to do better. Absolutely, and I. Uh, but I, it is one of those things where it's like, if. <laughs> oh boy, this is the problem with the car ride home, right? <laughs> if, if a famous person said to me. Hey, do you, uh, do you want to open for me all the time? I'd be like, are you fucking serious? Like, I, do I suck that bad? Oh, really? That would... Like, not, don't get me wrong, I open for people sometimes. But, like, if it was, like, a, a consistent thing, like, if a famous headliner was like, I want you to open for me all the time, I would, I would kind of, I would do it for, if it paid money, but I would, my ego would hit a little bit. Because I'd be like, you want to follow me every night? Oh, fuck. Oh, see, I, I mean, maybe, because I've said this to you in the most drunken or high off comedy states where, like, <laughs> my dream in the world would be to, like, I, I, like, you always have these lofty dreams of, like, I'm going to be the benevolent comedian who gets famous and then helps everyone who helped him, sure. right? So, in my mind, the way to do that would be, like, let's, if I, if I, like, in the dream scenario where I'm selling out theaters, which is insane and stupid and never going to happen, but it would be like, if I could match or exceed what you were making, I think it would be great to just have to fucking step my game up every night because I think it would be difficult to follow you. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, and I, and I, I also don't, pick people who are terrible when I get to pick who opens for me because that's not fun either. Right. If it's like you're starting at zero, you at least want to start at five or something, you know. But it is, I'm not even saying I would say no to the gig. I would say yes to the gig. But a small part of me would be like, um, like, oh, okay. Uh, you know, because that's, and again, that's not the part of me I'm proudest of, but it's right. that, it's that part, it's that competitive, it's that competitive thing that, um, it's sort of a road comedy thing because if, if if you're famous enough, none of that shit matters. If people will pay money to come see you because they know who you are and they love you, then it doesn't even matter if you're funny, honestly. Yeah, I did I did a show uh, some shows a while back that I'm not going to say the name, but the person was like not doing what I would call great comedy. They were uh, very much appealing to their audience, but not doing what you might call great stand-up comedy. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, in that moment, I'm like, it's not even like, I mean, even, by the way, I still would, I want to win them over with the thing I'm doing. I still do want to be their favorite comedian of the night in that situation. But I can at least go, like, this guy is so famous in his world, and he's doing stuff that I would not do on stage that I'm fine with 
them not liking me as much in that circumstance. Yeah. But even then, I was like, it wasn't like I'm like, follow that motherfucker. No. I just am like, I'm there's I I can only allow myself to sink so low in terms of like the material and how like vulgar or inappropriate or just against my own fucking values. I do normally believe I'll go against my values for a joke, but it's only so far, right? There's yeah. like a limit to how far I'll stray from my values. Well, yeah, it's that fine line of like of, of competitive because I think we all know comedians who are way too competitive in it. Uh, but really, what that means is they're just saying the things out loud that we keep inside. Sure. But that's a skill. <laughs> you know, you don't want to be around someone who's like openly competitive. But in some ways, I think we're kind of too hard on ourselves. We we walk around it too much, like to be like, no, I want to be better than this person, or I don't. When the if someone says they like this comedian and I think I'm better than that comedian, I that makes me feel a certain way. Because take comedy out of it, you're a welder in Elma, Washington. I bet you think the other welding company in town sucks. Right. It's just, but it's this weird thing because it's so, it's, you know, sort of an art form. I shy away from the word art. Yeah. Uh, when you see the dumb pee-pee poo-poo fart jokes yeah. I'm doing. But it, but it is like, it is this weird thing where like, it kind of is, um, as much as I don't like it when the crowd gets hung up on who their favorite was, it is this, it is a competitive thing to do. You are, we are in the business of being judged, you know. Right. Well, and it's you and I are like, it's not like we're uh, Olympic qualifiers. Like, you know, we're at the we're at the touring ranks. You yeah. Know? Like the, uh, I think with the welder analogy, you may not be, like, you may not think you're as competitive. But what if you found out that other welders at your company? made eight bucks an hour more than you do you'd be like well that guy's a piece of shit hack who doesn't deserve to make an extra 15 grand a year or whatever Uh, they're like he's uh welder 69 on tiktok and he's huge (laughs) you gotta wait he has millions of followers you gotta wait six months for him to like fix your boat trailer yeah he sells out in minutes. His, his, his welding appointment like, sells minutes. Welding's all bullshit now. No one cares about the craft. Can we keep this analogy going until we hit Olympia? <laughs> of course. I learned. Okay, I learned. That was a real journey of discovery for me. That there's been a couple times in my life where I may have identified as a bit of a pervert, but then I did a private sex club in Portland, Oregon, and I was like, nope. <laughs> I am a vanilla basic bitch. I'm on stage. There, I'm doing jokes for people wearing leashes. There's, there, there's a guy in a wrestling singlet with the ass cut out running around. I'm like, I'm not... Oh, wait, okay, hold on. Hold on. I haven't seen you in a couple years. I can see you. You're doing that thing that my toddler used to do when they were taking a dump behind the couch. 
Why, why did they all, look at, you wrestled, that's all. He's the high school, well, we're going to move on. We're, we're going to, uh, we're going to, let's not have a man lose his job over this bullshit. You know what? I see why you didn't want to make eye contact now. You're like, I have pretty good insurance. Huh? <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing about this podcast idea. Like, it does have an end time. We've reached a point where I'm like, how long can a story? Oh, I can see the minutes actually. Yeah, we yeah, have like yeah. A, we have like a, it's like a studio clock. I actually don't like that. It makes me feel weird. <laughs> By the way, this is how stupid I am. At one point, I was like, when are we gonna hit the Narrows Bridge? I thought we were driving from Bremerton. <laughs> I mean, they're the same. Like these places are the same, but one you have to pay a toll. Like, yeah. This toll bridge is taking forever to get here. <laughs> yeah, we're not, we're not, we're not going that way. We'll be done. Uh, like on on stage, you're done when you get the light, but we'll be done when I we, we get the porch light. Yeah. <laughs> be like, oh, that's my time. Uh, that was a lot of uh, inside baseball talk. Let's talk about something else. You can have more kids, Casey. <laughs> I'm a baseball analogy fan myself. So, <laughs> God, dude, I don't think so. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm we're. Uh, he, he, Casey has one kid. Just so yeah, you know. I have one child. Uh, definitely not having more than two, but I. Man, it's like, um, it's really hard on everything. Having a kid makes yeah. everything more difficult. And you're also hitting the point where she's getting out of the, uh, like, super high need baby toddler age. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's so you would have to go back to that world. You have to right. go back to the baby world. Of, the thing is, like, I will say this, like, I fucking. The stage she's in is awesome. We've been very lucky. Basically, there's been like blips of like, this is like a bad week. But we're like on a constant ascent up. It's always getting better. We had like an amazing morning with my daughter. She was so fun and she's learning and it's beautiful. And it's, I really do love being a parent. And the only thing that makes me even consider it is I'm like, well, shit, this is going to be gone in a month, like yeah. this moment. But I don't think you can keep chasing that dragon. No. I have three. Let me tell you. <laughs> that my wife, every time, would be like, we don't have a baby anymore. Yeah. And uh, that's true. Don't get me wrong. After three, she was definitely not like, let's have more. I mean, age was becoming a factor at that point. But, and everything else. Like, we didn't even think we'd have three, so we definitely weren't like, let's have four. But it is, it's once they're not babies anymore, there is that kind of, uh, and you also romanticize it even more than it was. Like, like when you look back, you know, when she's nine and you see a picture of her when she was two, you'll be like, oh, it was all wonderful all the time. Just yeah. like when you look at the picture, you know. I'll give you a, the, by the way, adorable children's stories I recognize are obnoxious, so. It's okay. Um, you're really taking me down from the high of the show with this. Uh, I, so this is the thing that I've worried about or that I think about is uh, when, it's going to be a long way. we got four minutes. Yeah. So uh, 
Stretch a little. <laughs> when kids get tickled, I think laughing is like an involuntary reaction to it. Yes. And so what I worry about is if I'm tickling my daughter, does she hate it? And she's laughing because she can't do anything else. So because of this, I'm kind of always, if I'm ever tickling her in any way, I'm like, is there a moment I'm always on the lookout for like, did she stop enjoying it? Cause I will quit right now. Yeah. And today she, I like tickled her a little bit and she let, and then she kept going, do it again, dad. And I was like, she was like really loving it. And then she would, you know, go, no, no. And then she, I'd stop. And then there'd be like a pause and she'd go, do it again, dada. And then, you know, we go back yeah. into it. And that's like, like kids laughing and the like roughhousing and stuff like that. I'm, I'm like, I wish I could just, you know, it's like a puppy. You know what I mean? You want him yeah. to stay that age the whole time. Also, I want her to grow up to be like a mature and a mature adult that contributes to society and all that stuff. But I will miss this stage a lot oh, for sure. Well, yeah. There, now, don't get me wrong. There is really fun stuff about watching them become people. Right. And you'll have real conversations with her at some point. Right. As a, you know, you can't... <laughs> they don't stay in the jingle the keys in front of them <laughs> phase. For, but there is something about, uh, like, yeah, man. Not to make this super corny right at the end, but the sound of, like, a really, really small child laughing is, like... I do, I've actually listened to like other two-year-olds laugh right? <laughs> from a safe legal distance. Uh, <laughs> sounds like a terrible conversation. But like, and I'm like, oh man, I miss that. I miss the sound. Because you don't laugh with your whole body your whole life. Right. But you do when you're like, whatever, one to four. Uh, just that like, just busting loose. Like, it's almost like that's, we have to unsuccessfully do drugs to try to feel two again. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like how much, how much cocaine until I feel like a toddler? Yeah. That's really, you know, that's like the ultimate, uh, to just like, or I don't just start dancing in public like a lunatic because I'm embarrassed. I would not, right, right. but they don't care. They just know there's no inhibitions at all it's it that is a wonderful it's a wonderful thing and it's also kind of hard like some of my kids ended up shy and like well you weren't what happened you know yeah i made my daughter feel shame today for the first or not the first time but i like you know she, so this is what sure. happened is uh because we had a debate about this i'm, I'm also want to hear what you think of this all right um and i will and our friendship if you disagree. Uh, oh, that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> I'm not gonna tell you which side I was on. Uh, well, you'll, it'll be nice. But so my daughter's like on my lap, and she's like, you know what? She's exploring my face, basically. Okay. Like, my face is different from her face. It's different from my wife's face. And she yanks on my beard, uh -huh. and I go, Ned, like very hard, like hurt. And I go, oh, I almost said her name. I actually don't say her name on podcast. I go, hey. No, and I set her down, and she just starts bawling. And then my wife is like, "You have to pick her up and console her." And I'm like, "No, she did a bad thing. Uh -huh. She's embarrassed because I scolded her for it, and she—I think she actually feels remorse, and that's manifesting in tears. I don't think 
she's reacting to me as I didn't yell at her. I didn't do anything like that. She just, I just was like, stop. And I set her down. I've seen this happen with her before where she feel, I think I'm interpreting it as embarrassment. Uh, and so I said, I think she needs to process the pain or process the shame or whatever and move on from it. Now tell me, Dr. Dad. I'm, I actually, uh, probably to no one's surprise, I'm taking your side. Because Hell yeah. I do, I do think that, uh, and I do see the port light right now, so I do have to get in the signal and wrap it up. Uh, <laughs> Am I allowed to pee in your house? Yeah, absolutely. All right, thank you. I mean, backyard, not inside? No. I have a family. <laughs> After what you said about shaming your daughter? <laughs> no, I totally agree with you. You gotta, you gotta, uh, it's hard when they cry, but it's like, but that's classic male, you know, women are like the emotions and you're like the behavior. You know what I've heard is that um, women are from Venus and men are from Mars. I believe it's said in that I, order usually. I think I think that um, is now legislation in some southern yeah. cities. I think it's also uh, hate speech <laughs> in this thing. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, thank you. First guest on this podcast, even though you were a guest on my old podcast, same feed. You're the same as me. We've had 90 podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we just keep swinging, man. Yeah. We just keep swinging. Uh, check out uh, Nobody Likes Casey McClane podcast. Thank you. Goodbye. Uh, I, I live in Olympia. You guys knew that? I don't know. All right. It's not All right. Kind of cocky, Grace Harbor. Uh, I don't come down here for your Costco. I'll put that out there.